0: The entire White Sox season comes down to a three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. In fact, nothing matters. What happens between the Guardians and the Twins on Monday doesn't matter. Like, we're sitting here and we're talking right now at the 9-foot homemade oak bar on Sox in the Basement, and we're going to discuss not only the, the series that's upcoming and what the Sox need to do and how they need to prepare for it mentally, but also talk a little bit about the front office and Scott White from CBS Sports going to come on. He's like their number one guy for fantasy baseball. He wrote a really interesting article on what the new rules are going to do in the scope of fantasy. Uh, I think we touched on it in a recent episode, but I want to bring him in and actually talk about are there White Sox players that are affected by the new rules that are going to be out next year and what he sees in those trends. And, you know, here's a guy who for, for a living breaks down stats, Ed, and tries to figure out what guys are going to do the next year how are they going to perform in advance that's his job so that he can tell people this is a good player this is a bad player to put on your fantasy baseball team and I like going outside the box and looking at evaluators like that to try to figure out the future of the White Sox
1: oh yeah I mean this is a guy that's he's got a really lot of good insights I mean even if you're not a fantasy baseball player he's a guy that I I I find myself reading him because of how he breaks down prospects because of how he breaks down what guys and how guys might contribute, you know, beyond just the box score. So I think it's going to be interesting to hear what his take is on some of how, you know, how these rule changes are going to impact the Sox for next year, because we might be waiting until next year, depending on what they do against the Guardians in these next three games. I know we've said this is it before, but holy cow, you got to sweep, right?
0: (laughs) It's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, Socks in the Basement's proud sponsor for bowing walls, window wells, foundation and crack repair, sump pumps, gutter cleaning yard, draining systems, exterior walls, ceiling, everything they do is to keep water out of your home, your foundation, your basement to continue to keep that value of the home and keep everybody safe from things like mold and disasters when you walk downstairs and say do the laundry. Family veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013, 24/7 give them a call 708-330-4466 mention Saxon basement you get money off. See what a difference a family makes at familydry.com. You must sweep this series. There is no two out of 3. This is the equivalent of an early playoff elimination series in which you lost the first two games on the road you come back to Chicago you got the other team for three you're picking your best three pitchers in Cease and Lynn and Cueto and you're running them out there and you need to be perfect and win all three of them because very simply put and it does not matter really what happened on Monday because the White Sox need to gain those three games and get the tiebreaker. Let's say that what we're looking at right now going on with Minnesota and Cleveland continues the way that it looks early on in the game, which I have assumed all along, because Minnesota is a useless organization that crumbled at the end of the year. They never had big ex- expectations, so their crumble will not hurt anywhere near as much as the White Sox not making the postseason, but they are crumbling, and they are done, and they did us no favors whatsoever. But you're four back and four out in the lo- in the loss column as well. Everything's finally evened up. You've played the same amount of games at this point. If you sweep, you're a game back. You have the tiebreaker, All you have to do is tie in the next couple of weeks and you win the division and advance and survive and then you're into that whole thing. If you only win two out of three, you are essentially the same amount of games back four as you were at the beginning of the series. Because even though you're three back, you don't have the tiebreaker. So you got to win that extra game because tie goes to Cleveland. So you must sweep or it's over. Unless, of course, you get a complete collapse by Cleveland. Like, they they play Texas and Kansas City, and they just take them lightly, and they lose. And that's not happening. So this is it. Win all three, ride or die, have to do it. You should never have been in this position in the first place, but you're here, and Miguel Cairo has to manage that it's do or die, all hands on deck. I don't care if you're sore, get out there and pitch.
1: Well, not only, you know, I don't care if you're sore, get out there and pitch, but he's got to manage smart. This isn't the time to monkey with the lineup. This isn't the time to have a guy playing out of position or give a guy a day off of rest unless somebody's really, really hurt. And I'm not talking about, like, say, Sebi Zavala catches two of the three games versus he has Monty Grandal because Grandal's got a bad knee or something like that. I, You know, there are certain situations that you could sit there and say are a wash. But what Miguel Cairo cannot do is he cannot have a day off for a guy that doesn't need a day off. This is a playoff series. This is more than a playoff series because this really determines the rest of your season. And if you sweep, like you said, you come out. You got the tiebreaker, super helpful, because while the Guardians are going to have the the hardest part of their remaining schedule is going to be next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and that's going to be when they're playing the Rays. And the Rays are a really tough team, and that's that's a team that could they could sweep the Guardians just because they feel like it, you know, <laughs> if they if they really want to. And also a team that really desperately needs it because they are in danger of falling, you know, falling way out of everything here. Uh, You know, they're they're up in the wild card, but not by much. So they're playing for their uh, fighting for their playoff lives too. Meanwhile, the Sox will be playing the Twins. Now, it would be so White Sox if the Twins had just absolutely stunk it up against Cleveland, right? They have been useless, beyond useless, to the White Sox cause here. I mean. The only thing that's been more useless to the White Sox cause, really, honestly, has been Lucas Giolito's ERA. But <laughs> the, they have been completely useless to the White Sox cause. They have not showed up against the Guardians. When they had an opportunity, really, to 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 put themselves back in the conversation, too. But it would be very White Sox if the Twins show up and just start you know, absolutely looking unbeatable and pitching lights out and hitting everything in sight and waving the magic wand, as they used to say. Uh, against the Sox while the Guardians are playing the Rays. But let's assume that the Twins continue to crumble like uh, you know so much cookie. Then, yeah, you've got that opportunity while the Rays are fighting for their playoff lives against the Guardians, who at that point should also be in, in a fight, hopefully. You have that opportunity to make up some space there and maybe get a game up or so on the, the division lead and hopefully not have to worry about the tiebreaker. We're getting way too ahead of ourselves
0: looking at that. The most important thing that has to happen are these three games against Cleveland. Because, uh, you know, look at the past lineups just over the last week with the White Sox. It's very obvious who Miguel Cairo trusts. There has not been a lot of bench guys getting a chance on this team, right? I mean, Andrus is leading off. is over at third, batting second. Breu's batting. Third, uh, playing first, Jimenez is your DH, goes Vaughn. Uh, You have some combination, depending on the pitcher, where it's either Sheets and Vaughn, okay, or you might see Vaughn and Grandal. You see Pollock in there towards the bottom, a Zebi Zavala if he's in there for Grandal, a Romy Gonzalez at the bottom of the lineup. Those are the only players that you really see on this team. If Robert was all of a sudden healthy, great. But you will be questioned if you bring in a Luis Robert and he's not good enough and healthy enough to play in a series like this, Right? I mean, you would be questioned if all of a sudden Larry Garcia is standing at second because this is like a playoff series now. So you have to put your best guys out there And for all the people who sit there and say lineups don't matter, they sure do matter Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday this week. They really matter. Lineups and personnel and how you deploy, guys. We talked about how Miguel Cairo is auditioning for a possible job as the manager of the White Sox next year, or consideration from another team, possibly, depending on how all this shakes out with Tony and him, and if the White Sox have new guys in the front office, and if a completely different managerial candidate comes in next year that isn't involved with the team, Miguel Cairo has been already auditioning and doing very well when you look at his records as he took over. But people also look at these games because this is the closest thing to the postseason other than making it there. And you don't know if they're making it there. So this is a really big series for him personally. And it's really big for the White Sox trying to figure out, are we in this? Because um, again, you lose a game here. You'd be hard pressed no matter how much the White Sox will try to tell you we're not out of it yet and we're going to keep fighting, you'd be hard-pressed hard, hard pressed convincing White Sox fans and anybody looking at this from Major League Baseball. You'd have a hard time of uh, them looking at it on MLB Central on the MLB network, okay? The mad dogs screaming into the television set in the middle of the day. is They're all going to have a very hard time even accepting the possibility that the White Sox can still make the playoffs if they don't win all three games. And Terry Francona, Ed, doesn't need to win all three games. If, if there's a blowout in game one, he's going to be like, let that pitcher die. I'm saving my bullpen for game two and three. I mean, because he just needs to manage
1: for one. He's already done that. He's already done that. The the one the one gamer that they had, the guy that he threw out there, Gaddis, the guy's terrible. I mean, he, he is like their eighth starting pitcher. I, I You know, he's just managing injuries at that point. He didn't care if the White Sox picked up a game on him there. So he let that guy get out there and get absolutely blown out. And Sox fans like, hey, we got him. Yeah, you didn't get Zach Pleszak, you didn't get Shane Bieber, you didn't get Darren Savali, you didn't get Tristan uh, McKenzie, you didn't You didn't get any of their main pitchers. You got a guy whose ERA is over 18. So, you know, you watch as Francona does that, and he's got far less pressure. But Miguel Cairo, this, you know, honestly, if I'm Miguel Cairo, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, hey, this might be the series it determines whether or not i ever manage the majors again because if he pulls this off you know that's going to be that's a huge feather in his cap not just maybe to retain the white sox managerial job but but anywhere he goes after that
0: this is a playoff threesome of games cease versus Savale, lynn versus mckenzie quato versus bieber this is it this is it right here you save the season you got to win all three recently on one of the other podcasts here on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network, I sat down with the folks behind Hyatt Home Medical Equipment just to talk about what their business is, and I was astounded to learn that it's not just uh, chairlifts and specialized beds and the CPAP machines and stuff for diabetes control and, and, and the things that you would imagine when you're trying to keep people independent and inside of their home and keep them out of, say, a nursing home. And whether it's you or, or, or a family member that you're considering these options for, it's also uh, building a smart home. It's about building a home where you're less likely to have a fall in your own house and where the doors can open and close, like with an app. Like It's not just buying a piece of equipment and not having a purpose. It's about designing the entire thing. And they'll do that with their big showroom in Evergreen Park along 95th Street. You can go in. You can check out everything. You can talk with an expert. They work with your insurance. They also give you a discount if you mention socks in the basement. You can see everything they have to offer Switch to a new age of life. That's their motto. And again, it's all about staying independent and in the home. You know, you don't want to leave the home. You don't want to move mom and dad out of the home. Check them out online at hhme.com or visit them today. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. On the phone line with me right now, we are very fortunate to have for the first time ever on Socks in the Basement, Scott White from CBS Sports. What Scott does is is talk fantasy baseball, which, to be honest, Scott, is like my favorite of all the fantasy sports. I love it more than fantasy football. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you for taking the time. So before we even get into this, I got to ask you, as somebody that evaluates players, gives people advice in a fantasy league, is it impossible to meet a new person and not have them immediately tell you about their team Or you know how they won a championship three years ago? Is it impossible to avoid that conversation right off the bat?
2: (laughs) They usually living in South Florida. You know, it's not a big baseball area, so they usually try to steer the conversation to football with me. If I'm being completely honest, but yeah, (laughs) what. When I do get somebody who knows baseball, uh, they have a tendency to talk my ear off about it, sure.
0: Like, I know players before most people are talking about them because I play fantasy baseball. So I would imagine you, when you're watching baseball not in a fantasy sense, like rooting for a team or watching a game or the playoffs are coming up sitting down and watching it, does it does it hit differently for you? Because sometimes you see a guy and you're like, man, I was on that guy three years before everybody else.
2: Yeah, yeah, that 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 does tend to happen where – it's it's interesting seeing kind of the, the baseball world become familiar with a player who you've been obsessing over for you know the past two or three years. So take me
0: through how you and other writers on your staff and guys that evaluate baseball players, how long of a process is it to kind of sit down and look at a guy and say, okay, this is what he did this year, but I expect him to be better. Because I think fans do that all the time. But it's got to be more than just looking at their stat line saying, well, this is his trend, so he's going to be better. I mean, are you taking into, uh, you know, factors of the type of coach, if the manager changes, what the schedule looks like, the personnel that's around him? How involved does it become when you're trying to to project those numbers out for the next year or for like the second half of a season?
2: Well, yeah, everything comes into consideration. You know, it's primarily stats-based. And yeah, there's just so much that you can review. Uh, The introduction, of course, of StatCast back in 2015 has opened up a a new world of analysis. You can see how hard players impact the ball in terms of miles per hour, the exit velocity, of course. Um, You can see the launch angle of a player. Just everything from how, how how many lines rise he hits versus how many ground balls he hits, what direction the ball comes off his bat, and I'm just, I'm just getting into hitters. In some ways, I think it's probably even more complicated for pitchers. So I go through, in the offseason, a very thorough audit of basically every single player who I think is going to uh, get consistent playing time or even semi-consistent playing time the following season and just go over all that data. And of course, as, um, as players change teams, as new coaches come in, Look at the history of them. Look at how their their new their environment is changing, and what kind of effect that would have. So it's a pretty time-consuming process. I I used to do football along with baseball, but they it got to a point where I I had to devote all my time to baseball just because that that time in the offseason to review everybody is so valuable.
0: Scott White and every guest here on Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces. Filled with adventure, visit the village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore, and see Socks in the Basement out at the Forge in Lamont this Saturday for their Oktoberfest, Come by the Tent, You might win money. We're giving away a couple hundred dollars. You'll learn how when you get out there. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some giveaways. We're going to drink some beer. We're going to listen to a band. We're also doing that at Hailstorm Brewing on Sunday. I'll get into that in just a little bit. But for everything going on in Lamont, make sure you check out LamontDowntown.com. You wrote an article about a week ago about the rule changes that are coming to Major League Baseball and how they would affect fantasy baseball in 2023. And I found it an interesting read because I'm trying to picture White Sox players that will be affected by the no longer being able to shift, by the larger bases, uh, by the by the pickoff throws, and maybe is there a guy who all of a sudden is going to see an increase in stolen bases? Uh, when you look at a team like the Chicago White Sox and a few guys that really just hit the ball to one side of the field. You can talk about Yasmani Grandal, who's seen his numbers drop recently. You can talk about a guy like Gavin Sheets, who's getting a lot more playing time here in the back half of the year, especially with Miguel Cairo at the helm, and he's starting to get the ball out. But when you look at his spray chart, it just seems like the shift going away is probably going to help players like that. How do you evaluate the White Sox and some of the players that are on this team, and how much will the lack of a shift really affect uh, th- these players and maybe even the win totals for some of these teams?
2: So the impact of the shift ban, if we can call it that, basically, what, the, what they're uh, enforcing now is only two infielders allowed on each side of second base and four infielders have to be on the dirt. So there's still a lot of manipulation that can happen within that framework. And so they're there doesn't seem to be a great consensus yet as to how much of an impact it's actually going to have. It can only improve batting averages, obviously. Uh, if 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 there's more room in between the fielders, and and teams have gotten so good about uh, with with their scouting reports and everything with the data from they get they collect from Statcast and and other sources like that, and, and knowing where hitters tend to put the ball when they could stack that side of the infield and take away hits that way. Uh, so batting averages are going to go up, but to what extent and how, uh, how widespread the effect will be, I think it remains to be seen. You know, you could still put a fielder one inch to the left or the, the shortstop one inch to the, the right of second base, the, short, uh, the second baseman one inch to the left. You can still have basically play an infielder up the middle and take away a lot of those up the middle hits that uh, that hitters have been losing in recent years because of the dramatic shifting. But you will, particularly for left-handed hitters, you're gonna you're, you're gonna lose that uh, kind of rover in between first and second base that really sets up in, in shallow right field. Uh, teams aren't going to be allowed to do that anymore. So some players are going to see their batting average go go up, and I think specifically left-handed hitters who Put the ground the ball on the ground a lot and to benefit. Uh, having not gone through everybody one by one yet, I don't have I, I don't know I can't give you a lot of names for players who would benefit, but I can give you a couple of examples from before the time when when the infield shifts became so dramatic and so common. Uh, Brian McCann and Mark Teixeira are the two I often cite for this. So so the shifting really started early in the 2010s. It kept increasing toward the the mid 2010s. That's about the time where you see a dramatic drop off in, in both Mark Teixeira and Brian McCann's batting averages. So, Mark Teixeira, for the first seven years of his career, hit 290, and then for the final seven years of his career, hit 239. Brian McCann, for the first seven years of his career, hit 286, and then for the final eight years of his career, he hit 237. So I do think you're going to see a handful of players who see that kind of change the other way, their batting average improving by as much as maybe 40 points.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Do you think, because I would imagine that fantasy baseball players are going to look at this and maybe put a guy a little bit higher on their draft board. If they listen to what you just said, they're going to go, okay, left-handed hitter that I think uh, is going to benefit from having more space over there on that side of the field. Uh, I think they're going to be better than what they've been, and we're going to see this jump. You're going to see fantasy baseball owners and GMs do that. Do you think that you'll that we'll see that in Major League Baseball, that we'll see general managers sit there and
2: evaluate players differently because of the rule? Yeah, I think eventually it, it might take a few years, and I think we'll see a change from the hitters too because if you remember mid-2010s, this term began circulating, the fly ball revolution. Basically, it was hitters deciding that to get around the shift They're just going to hit it over the shift. That was a common refrain. And they began adjusting their launch angles to put the ball in the air more. And it ended up having a bigger impact, I think, than anybody expected, because that's about the time the the juiced balls entered play as well. So, you know, you had balls that went farther in the air, and and you had more hitters putting it in the air. And so we saw this increase in home runs. The dead-end ball the past couple years has helped counteract that. But I think this could counteract it more. Again, I don't know that it'll be instantaneous, but gradually as hitters see the way uh, it's playing, you might see them start to lower their launch angles. At least the ones who don't have as much natural power and aren't getting rewarded as much for putting the ball in the air, they might start to focus more on line drives or hitting ground balls.
0: You talked about stolen bases before I let you go. The point I got out of the article was... There's been a decrease in stolen bases. This should bring it back to what the norm was maybe 20 years ago. Is, am I getting that right? Did I, I don't want to oversimplify your breakdown, but it's we're going to start seeing the stolen base be more valuable and go back to the way that you remember the game from a couple decades ago.
2: That seems to be the idea behind the rule. And, and this this is one that I don't think is being talked about in general. Everybody focuses on on the, uh, the, the shift. But I think this will be the more dramatic change to the game because it's kind of hidden in the language of the pitch clock, which isn't something we've even gotten into, but now from now on pitchers are going to be limited to two pickoff throws basically two disengagements from the rubber in any way, but you know, mainly we're talking about pickoff attempts at first base. So if the pitcher throws over twice, what do you expect to happen the third time? He can't throw over. It'll be a balk. If, he throws over, unless he gets the runner out. If he gets the runner out, it's okay to throw over third time, but if he doesn't get the runner out, it's a balk. So, you know, that third throw over is either going to be an out or the runner is getting second base, guaranteed. And so I think that's going to encourage hitters to, to push the envelope to get a big lead on that third pickoff attempt. Look, they might even try to get a bigger lead on the first two just to encourage the pitcher to throw over. So with a bigger lead, they're going to have that much more success swiping second base, and we're going to see stolen bases explode. That's what we've seen in the minor league: 68% success rate to 77% success rate for minor leaguers. Uh, and we've also seen the number of attempts per game increase. And, yeah, according to um, an MLB executive, Morgan Sword, who's who's uh, worked on these rule changes, he says if, if we see a similar increase to that in the major leagues, then it is going to return us to a rate of stolen bases we saw in the early 2000s, in the early 2000s, I you mean, look at 2000 specifically, 42 players steal 20 bases or more in the year 2000. Last year, it was just 19 players who stole, so less than half as many stole 20 bases or more. What I think, though, is I think the increase could be even more than that. It could be even bigger than what we've seen in the minors because... Minor leaguers already had a tendency to run twice as often as major leaguers. They're looking to develop. They're not so much worried about uh, avoiding outs on the base pass. You know, since Moneyball, there's been this obsession with, okay, well, we can't make an out on the base pass. We can't, the outs have, preserving outs has become such a priority. Well, if we see the success rate improve dramatically, as dramatically in the majors as we've seen it in the minors, and major leaguers are already so much more successful than minor leaguers were. They're already at basically the success rate on stolen bases that the minor leaguers have gotten to with this real change. So, if we see a similar sort of increase and in major leaguers are succeeding on steals 80, 85% of the time, everybody's going to be running.
0: It sounds like you got to have a, a forward thinking team to understand that personnel changes might be in order, that certain guys might become slightly more valuable, not to overreact to it. But to understand that the game is about to turn into something a little different, and if you can find those advantages, and all of a sudden it could be a big difference for you for your entire franchise. It's definitely going to be a difference for people when they're playing fantasy baseball. Uh, I have been a big fan of CBS Fantasy Sports and had all my fantasy sports run through your website for a couple of decades now. Uh, and I enjoy your your fantasy baseball. I love your articles. And Scott White, it was a pleasure having you on Socks in the Basement. Thanks so much.
2: All right, it was good
0: being here. Thank you. Hailstorm Brewing is the official brewery of Socks in the Basement, and they have a big Oktoberfest going on Saturday and Sunday out in Tinley. We will be there on Sunday. Stop by, raise a glass or a boot. They're actually selling glass boots. Das Boot is going to be there. Das Boot. You, You buy the boot. The boot gets filled up with their Oktoberfest Take Me to Your Leader. I love that name. And then you drink it and you go back and for five bucks for the rest of the day, you're filling up a giant boot full of beer. They also have the German Steins as well for sale out there. There's going to be giveaways and prizes and drinking and German food and German music. It's going to be an entire weekend with all kinds of fun indoor, outdoor on the patio. And again, socks in the basement going to be there on Sunday. It's in Tinley Park, 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue at the brewery get in there any night of the week they got live music on the weekends and trivia nights and all kinds of fun events and you know as the the weather gets chilly they got the fire pit outside but check them out at hailstormbrewing.com and hailstorm ed is actually on tap now at cork and carry and cork and carry at the park so you can actually that's true get that beer i'm talking about pre-game or post-game over 33rd in princeton before you head over to watch this big series against cleveland it's a great way to celebrate and or drown your sorrows. Right. So. Exactly. Listen, man, if they don't win this thing, we're going to have to move on to some other stuff, like talking about this front office. And, and the excitement of the last month shouldn't change anybody's opinion about the fact that maybe Rick Han ain't the guy. I had somebody say something to me this week that really kind of took me aback and I went and looked up Han. And I was like, that can't be completely true, right? And wh- what it was told to me was there's no real qualification that he has that you know, most fantasy baseball managers don't have that. Most people who are, who are like young say, I'd like to be a, a front office guy. If you look at it, he's never really been in the sport, except he went to school, worked at a sports agency, got hired by the White Sox, worked his way up. And he's supposed to be the master evaluator of talent. He basically has to rely on his scouts. And most guys that make it to the majors are can't miss first round draft picks that I can look up online. I can read a guy like Scott White on online and I can have an opinion about him. So I'll be honest with you. I would love for them to change. I don't know if it'll ever happen until Jerry's gone, but bring in some baseball people who can be a GM
1: and also have a history of evaluating talent. Well, you know, it's funny that you bring up fantasy baseball, right? And I know and, I, and in the context of Scott White talking about it with us too, Rick Hahn's history, okay, he's he and I have very similar qualifications. I just went to lesser schools than he did, right. okay? Right. In, in terms of what what our career path has been where uh you know he he went and he's a lawyer he's a Harvard lawyer right and and a Kellogg school of business guy and he really likes baseball he got kept as the gen named as a general manager of the white sox for a reason that like fantasy baseball managers and dynasty leagues get in trouble where they fall in love with a guy right and suddenly he's really hot and you don't want to trade him you don't want to let him go for anything because you know he's going to be this guy right he's going to be the guy. That's really what happened with Rick Hahn if you think back to it. And and this isn't to disparage him, I, you know, good for this guy for right, you know, for for making his way into a dream job without having been a baseball player.
0: I don't know, Ed. I mean, let's be honest. How many fantasy baseball championships have you won?
1: Uh, one. Okay. How many has Rick Hahn won? How
0: many how many MLB championships is Rick... I think you're more qualified to be honest with you. You've had you've had a better wow. career based upon your general managing in a fantasy world than he's had in the real world. And
1: again, all you do is listen to scouts. I will take Chairman Ryan call or Kenny's call when it when it comes in.
0: <laughs> no, no, they should be calling me. I've won four in the last uh, five years. I mean, honestly, it should be me. Let's let's be honest.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we need you out here talking badly about whoever it is. And you can talk badly about me. You've known me for twenty plus. I years. would destroy you. I know. I imagine oh you being God. the GM
0: and you mess up, and I'd be like, "This is what he's been pulling this crap since college. Hey, he don't know what he's
1: talking about." Who paid this guy to General you Manager? Would, you would just start airing out dirty laundry that nobody needs to know about. <laughs> Socks, in Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.
2: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcast can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.